You're listening to Hear Kōrero, a community research podcast. Welcome to our second podcast series, Hoki Whakamuri Haere Whakamua, Thinking Back, Going Forward, our webinars and audio. Hear brave kōrero on kaupapa, like valuing worldviews and Indigenous research, the power of refugee research, supporting New Zealand-born Pacific youth and white fragility. This webinar was introduced by Kay Marie Dunn. It launched our first podcast series, Titiriti Kōrero, by sharing that kaupapa, as well as turning ideas into action. No mai haere mai koutou katoa. Welcome to our opportunity to reflect on our first podcast, He Kōrero, where we did a bit of a deep dive into uh, Te Tiriti. And this whole kōrero is really focused on te tiriti in action uh, and an opportunity to have our podcast speakers, uh, Dr. Kathy Irwin, Dr. Chelsea Grubveld, and also Ali Hamlin-Painga, uh, to come into the call today and share with all of us their reflections on the podcast, uh, their reflections on what they shared in that podcast, uh, but also uh, to provide some tips and hints on how you can also apply te tiriti in your workplace within your whānau and your community. Nō reira koutou katoa, no mai haere mai. I'm just going to um, pass the rako around to our beautiful kaikōrero speakers today and give them a chance to just introduce themselves. So I'll start with you, Kathy. Welcome to, to the call today. Atamari e i ngā whānau o Aotearoa, he uri tēnei o te tairāwhiti, ko Ngāti Porau te iwi, ko Rākau Pāka te iwi, ko Hikurangi me maumaukainga maunga, ko waiapu me nuhakanga awa, ko putanga me tāne nui arangi, ngā marai whanau au, i te tāne nui o Waipiro Bay. Um, engari i tipu aki au uh, i te tāne o Heritaunga. Um, a te mari e anō kia, koutou katoa. Kia ora rā. Kia kete, tēnā koe Chelsea. Tēnā koe te tuahine, uh, tuatai e tika ana ki te tukumihi kia koe gauri, nau e whakatauai te mauri i tēnei ata nō reira tēnā koe. Kia koe hoki e te tuahine, Kei Marie, nei rā te mihi aroha. Uh, kia koe e Kathy, ko kā Kathy, uh, he mihi aroha, kōrua ko Ali, uh, tēnā kōrua. Uh, koe tēnei he uri ahau nō Ngāti Porau, nō Ngaitai, nō te whānau apanui, te whakatōhia me te aroa waka, ko Chelsea Group vēl tōku ingoa, uh, i tipu ake au i Porirua, engari e noho ana hau uh, i te whanganui ātara. Uh, Morena koutou, lovely to be here, uh, looking forward uh, to the conversation. Kia ora. Morena Chelsea, kia ora Ali. Uh, Atamari e koutai, uh, Ali Hamlin-Painga. Um, kia ata ngā mahake, ngā, ngā tikahunganu ki here tanga. Uh, really pleased to be here. Uh, kia ora Chelsea and Kathy. Um, nice to see you all. Um, and uh, kia ora Kay Marie. Great to be here and I look forward to um, our session. Awesome. Oh, well, kia ora koutou, uh, e te pai. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's awesome. And also, there are over 240 plus whānau in this call today. So it's pretty awesome to see one uh, that 
hopefully you've heard the podcast and it affected you so much that you're like, hey, I really want to get to know these speakers a bit more. Um, but also here's an opportunity for us to get up close and personal with these amazing kaikōrero uh, to hear their story and also um, their learnings as well. I quickly just want to mihi to Kia Mike Smith. Um, unfortunately, he was unable to join us today, but he was also our other guest speaker. And, um, you know, he's out there uh, either advocating uh, on behalf of our iwi in relation to the COVID response and the Crown, um, and also always hearty um, in his commitment to the climate. So I'm um, certain that his hands are really full today. First up, hey, look, this was our, the first time that community research had uh, moved into a new frontier, which was to develop and uh, release a podcast. And for those of you um, that may be in Zoom, like overload over the last two years, we've just literally been living on Zoom. It was a real great opportunity to move into a different format. And this is the first time that I've had our three speakers come together in one call because um, either A, we've been connected via Messenger um, or they have all just been part and parcel of the podcast journey together. And one of the cool things about the podcast is that we have had over probably close to 1,500 downloads since we launched uh, this particular corridor. And just a bit of background, it was pertinent and appropriate that we start off these headquartered or podcast sessions focusing in on Te Tiriti and that we launch it around uh, Te Tiriti, uh, sorry, Te Ra or Te Hainatanga or Te Tiriti as well, which was the day of the signing of Te Tiriti, which was the 6th of February. And the reason for that, of course, is it is one of the founding documents of Aotearoa. Often we'll talk about He Whakaputanga, which is a declaration of independence, um, which was a relationship between a confederation of northern chiefs and the crown representatives of the time. Uh, and then we moved into the journey of Te Tiriti, which started around February the 6th, 1840, but it actually went on a big hikoi around Aotearoa to different tribes and different hapu, rather, different hapu, different communities, um, so that they could decide whether or not they wanted to sign up to this agreement as well. So uh, we had our three kaikōrero, uh, Chelsea, who gave us a bit of an insight into her background um, growing up in Pōrirua. Uh, some, of the, some of the experiences, not always positive, that she um, had been exposed to as a young woman, young child, young woman, particularly around um, the colour of her skin, um, but also being conscientised at Tehiringa Waka, um, and then also her amazing journey in the public sector uh, and also uh, her move towards becoming her own self-employed evaluator, Kaupapa Māori researcher, and um, running her own business, which I'm certain Chelsea will talk to. And then uh, Kathy, if any of you listen to her amazing waiata, which was so beautiful, E Tipu Eria, um, which is one of our most famous whakatau aki from Ta'apirananata, um, which is really about the bringing together of Te ao Pākehā, Te ao Māori, and together we can bring the beauty of that to help us grow uh, as individuals, but also as a nation. And I think, Kathy, you really set the conversation of nationhood and the impact of your grandparents and how they influenced your thinking uh, and that you've been part of this beautiful activism um, for your whole life and how you've applied it in your research space. And then, of course, we had Ellie, and Ellie, this amazing dynamic 
stunning wahine toa, um, who shared her insights into being an advocate for whānau and ensuring that it's not our job uh, as enablers to disable whānau and take their mana away. It is actually a treaty in action when we enable and empower whānau to recognise their own mana motuhake, their own tenoranga tiratanga, no matter where they might be. So even if you don't have a whare, even if you can't feed your whānau, you still have mana. And it's our role to ensure that that mana is always held intact. And I love the fact that you're applying this in your role uh, as the kaihotu of Kahanganu Whānau Services. So it's a little bit about me, a bit of context, um, not really that important, my kōrero, but I think now it's a time um, for us to, to hand it across to our kōrero for the day. So I'm going to pass it to, uh, to you, Chelsea, and just to get some insights as to, you know, how was it actually being in a podcast? Because we kind of like moved into your lounge, set ourselves up to have this kōrero. Um, yeah, any reflections on what that experience was like for you? Um, I, first, I enjoyed catching up with you, but also it felt a bit like therapy, if I'm being honest. Um, and, and this is the, the whole decolonization process for me, you know, as we talk about what is te tiriti, what does it mean to me, and what is my experience of it. It is going back in time. It is about my whakapapa, my tipuna. Um, it is about my connection and my journey of self. So it was quite therapeutic <laughs> um, to actually go through a podcast. But then it gets thrown out into the ethernet and you, you sort of forget about it. Um, and what was really happening was to receive some feedback. I think from quarters I hadn't quite expected because you never quite know what the reach will be of a podcast or who's engaging with it. Um, so I did receive messages from colleagues on boards who said they thoroughly enjoyed all of the speakers and they got a lot out of it. Um, colleagues in the philanthropic sector and the sports sector. So I, I don't know if I was surprised, but I, I didn't, I think, fully uh, appreciate the reach and, and, and the appetite uh, for cordial or like this. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it's wonderful to be here again today. Awesome. Kia ora, Chelsea. Kia ora, Kathy. Pihia o whakaaro. Kia ora no wahenema, hanging out with my gal pals. <laughs> As an educator, the opportunity to help share the story of our nation and what we do to build it into what we want it to be um, it is always an opportunity that is a fabulous one to be part of. I really enjoyed um, the experience and I want to say to you, Kay Marie, I've known you in a range of context, contexts and man, you are hot. Your mahi and your skills, because um, this is a sensitive area to be talking about and the thing that I find really grounding and absolutely empowering is this is our story. So to those people who have over the years in so many different ways said, who do you think you are? Where on earth does that come from? Um, not in an enabling exploratory way, but definitely in a pejorative put down way, um, fundamentally about epistemological racism that our world and our view of our ability to be who we are is actually not real in some cases. I have had managers argue Mātauranga Māori with me when I've been giving advice as if Mātauranga Māori actually doesn't exist. So when you get all of that stuff, the chance to be in the good space to tell a story is fabulous. And um, 
that's one of the pieces of advice about treaty work as well. I once was asked by a CEO how to move the tail, the disengaged, and I said, you don't, you move the head. You start with the early adopters. You start where the positive energy is. You get the head right, and when the head moves, the tail will follow. So it was lovely to have an opportunity to be in a positive space, sharing the stories of what we know is possible and holding on to those stories, whether we get pushed back or not. Lean in. Hello. Pushback, whatever. It's in the genes. I found this fabulous meme last night, which is my closing thought to you, of a butterfly sitting in a car being called over by a policeman for speeding. And of course, on the driver's license, there's a photo of a caterpillar. And the driver, the policeman looks down at the butterfly, and the butterfly says, The photo was a while ago. We've still got work to do as a nation in Aotearoa, and our people won't be put off the work that we know needs to be done. So all you butterflies out there, get flying. Kia ora. Kia ora, Kathy. Kia ora, Ellie. Kia ora. Well, for me, it was, um, I was a little bit overwhelmed because I was standing next to all these famous and awesome women and I'm thinking, oh, gee, that's um, a little bit big, me standing next to their big shoes to stand next to. But, um, yeah, I think uh, for myself too, it's it's, not very often that um, I, I, in particular, in my role, uh, sit in a space where the people on the other side of the table um, know what you know are in the same boat as me. Um, we're always being challenged, and we're always being um, looked at as different or the other. Often, you're you're too busy <laughs> um, defending what you do. And so it was a real privilege to be in a positive space, talking about something that needs to be positive or set up to be positive, um, rather than it being a corridor where you're feeling uncomfortable for the wrong reasons and just can't wait to get out of the room. And But yeah, it was fantastic. So thanks for the opportunity. And um, here I am again. And <laughs> I agree, it's uh, very unusual not to know the reach of your corridor and and that feeling of wow but like Kathy and like Chelsea um, I'm happy to stand up and talk this corridor no matter where because I believe in it and I also have to look forward and ensure that the world is a better place for my mokopono to be in when I go. Kia ora. Kia ora Ali. Look, we've got, as I said earlier, over 270 whānau in this corridor at the minute. And um, looking at all of your introductions, you come from quite varied spaces. So we've got people in the health sector, in education, um, community, uh, refuge. And so for us today, because we've got 45 minutes to really get some beautiful gems out of our speakers. Um, again, I want to in invite you to ask some questions as they might pop up. I might not get to all of you, um, but I'll try and pick out the ones that I think will be really enlightening for everybody that's in this space. Um, but also, if we can pick them up later on, um, I will try to make sure that we do so, and community research will create some resources as a result of the corridor. Um, but what I want us to do today is, because there's so many people here, and I think there's three things that we've got to look at. The first one is, what is tetiriti? Again, in a practical sense for um, for each of you as, as kai kōrero. 
Um, secondly, you know, the, the application or the actioning of Tatriti in your respective areas. And again, for everybody else that's listening, I just want you to have an open mind and just think about how might these gems that we're receiving be useful or applicable in our workplace? Yep, so if there's anything that will help you have a better conversation or help you have a brave conversation or even think about structural change within your organisation, I really want to welcome that opportunity for your thinking as community practitioners. So I'll try and drive our, our questions and our discussions around some helpful tips and points that you might be able to apply, um, but also for us to get, bit of, uh, to get underneath some of those stories that were shared in the podcast as well, which I think will be really, really helpful and interesting. And so I'll start with you, Chelsea. Um, as I shared in context before, you know, you've had your own journey of conscientization, um, which has taken you on a really big journey. For you, what, what have been some of those um, key learning points where, you know, as you said, growing up, you weren't surrounded with tetriti, it was actually part and parcel of your life, you probably just didn't see it as such or articulate it or, or recognize it as such, but it's become more of a tool and a framework that you apply in your mahi. How did you get from where you were to where you are today? Oh, big question. Um, how did I get from where I was? Um, through lots of inspiring, amazing people and being exposed to their thinking. So I think I spoke to you about Tehiringa Waka, um, being around people like Poetimara, Tanya Rangihuia, Kathy Irwin, Wally Pinutito. I see Hazel Phillips has jumped on, who was also my supervisor, being around people who lived and breathed and advocated titiriti at a time where it wasn't fashionable to do so um, you know so so that influenced me and and as I developed my my critical analysis or became conscientized it was actually reflecting on the impacts on my whānau. So if I think about the impacts of colonisation on my whānau, we have a whole generation in my whānau that can't speak te reo. So, so, so that in itself is an impact, a direct impact of colonisation um, and our experience as tangata whenua on our own land. So, so through that, you, you start to build this fire in your belly about the injustices that have occurred on our own whenua to our own whānau. So, so that whole process, you know, and I had to go to university to be exposed to that, sadly, because we don't get taught about this stuff at secondary school. Um, so, so that's when that, that fire in my belly got lit. Uh, or relit, reignited, and my eyes were open, but also I was given the theoretical tools to deconstruct and make sense of that. And I was also exposed to mātauranga Māori and, and the importance of connecting to who I am, my whakapapa, and the, the strength and wisdom of our tipuna to, to not stay in grievance mode, to fight the good fight, but to also be aspirational and celebrate all of the wonderful things. And for me, Titiriti is the absolute expression of our tupuna wisdom and brilliance. And so constantly for me, it is, you know, it's those critical questions of how am I being a great and fabulous ancestor? How am I being tika and puno to the vision that our tupuna have for all of us. So, so in terms of how I got from where I was to where I am today, so many amazing 
people alive and, and past who have influenced me and really privileged to be in their presence. And same thing today. Part of this conversation really is around the role that Tiriti plays. And so often we talk about it as like this document that was signed way back when, and it was kind of like so, so far away, long ago, how do I bring it back in? And people often talk about this thing that I apply to my thing, right? It's over here and I bring it over here. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. It's an agreement between parties for us to build trust and connection between us. How do you make sense of that? You love it. You live it every day of your life in everything that you do. Yes, you have a historical understanding of it. And there's always new books coming out and I'll be the first one to buy them. You know, you wouldn't believe the library that's sitting behind me here. Um, primarily because initially I was taught that I was so thick that I would need to read what everybody else has written. So boy, I do. But you live it every day. So here's a little, my latest. Um, my son got married on Saturday. My son's father has three whanau many siblings. I'm wife number two. I think one of the better wives, but you know, we don't go there. He's married to someone else now. So in my speech uh, at the wedding, as I'm addressing my beautiful new daughter and my son, how do I describe our family? Never mind the family that he's just married into. And so I talked to them about what, what I would say now in academic terms, deconstructing the notion of a blended family. What does a blended family sound like? I don't know about you, but I use my blender for smoothies and stuff that goes in doesn't come out looking the same. And so I've reframed. We are not a blended whānau. We are he whānau raranga. We're a woven whānau. Because in the reframing of a woven whānau, every piece of harakeke has its own place. And every piece of harakeke has its own space where it will be honoured and respected in their manaaki, in their uniqueness and in their beauty. We will not be blending anything. Thank you very much. And so, you know, it's an example and I really think it's important that when we get to the tiriti, and remember that at 1840, there'd been 1,840 years before that. When we get to the tiriti, and that is some people's starting place, Actually, it's a signpost and a roadmap of nation building that needs to start at the beginning, which in Mātauranga Māori terms is te kore. So I love all the work around the tiriti. What we do in honouring it is we live it every single day and we reframe the ways in which colonised thinking takes, you know, a fabulous man who has three wives and three families um, and lots of children and we don't allow ourselves to call it a blended family. We reframe it in powerful mātauranga Māori based ways that gives mana and expression and space to everyone. So my son and his new wife joined Hefano Raranga on Saturday. And I put to bed the notion that we're a blended family. That's what living the vision of the treaty to me is every day, honouring our mātauranga and embracing it. Beautiful. We love this hefano raranga, paitina kōrero. I love that. And bringing together our own unique attributes, skills, and capabilities together as one. Colonization has had a significant impact on the fabric of our nation, uh, which Chelsea has spoken to, and the people that she has been exposed to that broadened her thinking and awareness. And Kathy talks about the importance of weaving together a relationship 
Now for yourself, you are working with Fano. you've got a, whole, a, a massive team, but you're working right at the coalface of families who are experiencing severe crisis, homelessness, uh, shortage of kai, skills, access. So for you, in, in our conversation in the podcast, um, we talked about how do you talk to Tiriti with Fano that are just needing to have a place to sleep and a kai. So how do we bring this sense of partnership and, and connectivity um, to really make a difference to our whānau on the ground? What we all have to remember is that, um, and, you, and you mentioned it earlier, is that they all have mana, and we have to remind them that they have mana. We have to inspire them to or reignite that mana inside, and, and that generally is what's happened, is that they've run into a crisis, something has happened in their lives, and that mana has somehow been diminished or, or they're starting to feel worthless. Or, And the other thing is the system always looks at them as a problem or that they have a problem. You know, and, and here at Kahungana, we don't want to know that you've got a problem because we can see that. We, we want to look for what's not obvious. And often there's, there's so much aspiration, there's so much skill, and there is a story in there somewhere. And as um, servants of the people, that's where we should be looking. You know, I, I, the, the conversation that we have is, is uh, very different to some of our colleagues. Um, if someone walks in our doors, we don't say what's wrong. We ask them who they are. Oh, and, and, then, and there's always a connection. You know, Tetiriti is about connections. Um, it's about uh, wakapapa. And so everybody that walks in our door has a wakapapa. And that's where we focus on. Because somebody belongs to somebody. Everybody belongs to somebody. And despite the fact that you might be homeless and you have all of those things, the things that we want to know is who do you belong to? How do we reconnect you back to where you belong? Where is your marae? Where is your ano? Because often here in Wellington, we take care of ano uh, that don't whakapapa here or they're not manahinoa, but they belong somewhere. So that, that's what, what we have to concentrate on is that everybody belongs to somebody and it's about connections and it's about whakapapa and never mind that, oh, what's wrong with you today? Oh, you look like you need a, you know, Non-judgmental service. We need to we need to stop describing what we see, walk in the door and look past it, and and look within, because there's so much good in the people that we serve. We create the space for that good to flourish again. Kia ora, Ali. I just want to unpack a little bit more because um, in our corridor together, we talked about your role as the kaihotu of an organisation. And uh, firstly, you just mentioned that being of service means to acknowledge the mana within the individual, no matter how they present, and just ensure that you treat them with the respect and aroha that they need at that time. But there's also another piece uh, that we focus in on, which was around advocacy and ensuring equity. So often you are having to battle with government officials, um, having to fight for every single um, scrap of resource that you need for the people that you serve. How do you see that as a treaty issue in practice? 
So I think one of the things that, that we all experience is the system. And the system, you know, they'll have a policy and then they'll have a rule and they'll have a this and they'll have a that. And I think as Māori, we're pretty cool at navigating that system. You know, I look back to Maui and, and what Maui did for, for all of us, you know, that entrepreneurship that sits behind how we manage that. Sometimes, oh, I don't know if I should say this in front of all these people, but anyway, there's always a way through. Um, you know, for me, there's always a way through. And if you tell me that's black, I'm going to give you my interpretation of what black looks like. And if you tell me that you can't do that, well, I'm actually not going to listen if I actually think it can, can be done. But I'm going to do it in a way that all of our mama is intact when I walk away. <laughs> but for me, first and foremost, is whatever I am, if, and I say this to all my people, always ask yourself, are you adding value to what's in front of you. And if you're not, then you need to stop and reset and look for the value. Look for the value in everything that you do and you say. We often have people who um, can no longer be put into emergency housing because sometimes they, you know, they have a bit of a mischief and you know, people don't want them there. And then my staff will come and they go, oh, we can't do that. And I'm like, why not? Well, what else have you done? You know, like you've got to keep looking. You've got to keep looking past the hoha and find the koha in that hoha, and normally you will find a way. And I, I think we've managed to do that for, for many of our people, especially those who, um, yeah, they just have moments in their lives where, and it causes a little bit of disruption in, in the different um, housing situations that we're in. But honestly, there's always a koha in the hoha somewhere. And there's always a, a solution, but you've got to keep looking for it. Like you can't just stop, you know, say, oh, we're not going to work with you anymore because you're, you know, we have people that um, that get very frustrated. Um, other people call it angry and violent. I call it frustrated because what happens is that they, they've just run out of the means to think about the good that's ahead. So um, we say to them, we're not giving up on you, but we're just going to meet somewhere else. We're going to just meet across the road because often, you know, because we've got to take care of everybody. So there's always a way. You don't just say, I'm not going to work with you anymore. You know, you say, you know what, I, we're going to go across the road. I'm going to take you for a coffee so that you don't have to be here when they're upsetting the whole office, you know, like, you know, there's, and that's what I mean. You, you just can't give up. You can't give up. And that's Tetariti because we're still here. We, Māori, have not given up. We're here, and we're not going away. Kia ora, Ali. I'm just going to move that back across to you, Chelsea, and just, again, think about your mahi in, uh, as a kaupapa Māori researcher, because often you are working or walking beside organisations uh, like Ali's who are having to deal with quite, well, the impact of colonisation, the impact of the system working against us, the impact of not having enough resource, and so for you, you're seeing to Tiriti in action or not in action from a different lens and perspective. What is that like for you? It's, it's a huge wedo, um, but 
I just I need to make to to Ellie for all of the gems gems that were in her corridor and and it's a riddle because you know this is so deeply personal it's the personal and the political for us as Maori so it is a privilege to be a kaupapa Maori evaluator to work alongside people like Ellie and to try and influence and advocate um, the hoha part for me is translating that or trying to amplify those voices and experiences for um, to bureaucrats um, that are not on the same page. So, so often my job is about trying to build a bridge to, to Ali's world and the diverse realities for our whanau with decision makers and policy makers. So um, in my evaluation toolkit, it really is a continual process of reflection for me about decolonizing my evaluation practice. Had I known being Tika and Puno, where you spend a few hours with Ali and she'll tell you. <laughs> so making sure you have those people in your life that make sure that you are being true, that you are advocating that you are amplifying whānau voices with integrity um, and not losing the mana of their kōrero when you're writing all these flash reports for government. So that's a constant tension and a constant challenge, but I'm always mindful of the privileged position I'm in as a kaupapa Māori evaluator and ensuring that I have got the tools there. So, you know, evaluation is all about assessing value, the value of something and the merit of something, the effectiveness of something. And it, you know, traditional evaluation is it's through a Western lens. So how do we bring how do Māori define success and value? Who holds the power? At what stage in this program did you partner and talk with whānau Māori? Who were they? How do you know? How, how long is that? You know, so all these critical questions that you need to be thinking about from the out, from the outset. That's that's tetiriti in action. Tetiriti in action is not trying to tag on or retrofit those questions once you've thought up of some policy or program for Māori. It needs to start at the beginning. So it's a constant um, challenge and process of being critical, of keeping yourself in check so that you are being tika and puno to the experience of, of our whānau, but actually trying to make a difference, trying to get through to people who hold power that make decisions. Um, and that's a very privileged place to be that I'm always mindful of and keep sharpening your tools so you can get better and better at doing that. That's, you know, that's the challenge for us all when you're working in this space, you've got to keep sharpening your tools, your intellectual tools, your communication tools, your matauranga tools, um, all of that helps you be a really great evaluator who, who uses titiriti and lives it every day. That's beautiful. And um, some great gems there around sharpening your tools, keeping your keeping ahead and watching where you're at, checking in on yourself, you know, your own privilege, um, but also how you use that power to better serve, to be an advocate and a bridge between worlds, um, and also to ensure that our people are involved at the beginning not at the end so I love that sense of don't retrofit and bring Māori in as a you know as a your, your treaty partner in as a tag along or tag on later but actually bring them in right at the outset and invite that um, that uh, whānau voice. Kathy, 
I want to um, shift across. I, I'm going to invite all of the speakers to provide some reflections and your own thoughts. But <clears throat> in your career, you've been involved in education from a very young age. Um, you've been heavily involved with the church um, and community development work, but you've also um, really supported quite large organizations, including government, to build the capability and capacity to work more effectively as treaty partners with Māori. What are some of your kind of key tips and points when you're trying to work with an organization that want to be better and work better with our people, um, but don't even know where to start? So I think one of the key things, and I'll use my experience as the Head of Māori and Cultural Capability at ACC, 26 branches, $43 billion investment portfolio, 4,000 staff, and a statutory function which gives Māori as Indigenous people in the world probably the only insurance cover an accident and illness, which is no fault and no blame cover. Does it work as well as it was designed to do here, Kaupapa and Ortena? But I'll just talk to the experience I had as the um, head of Māori and culture capability in that space. And one of the key things is to always remember to start at the level of first principles. What is the vision? What can we do with the vision? Because when our team started, some of the most important work, in my view, that we did which led to Rungoa being accredited and funded by ACC. That's the trajectory. So one of the biggest things that I think our people as a little team at ACC ever did was that work. Start at first principles, start at the vision, start at what's possible. So I arrived at ACC brand new. Um, ACC has a very stable workforce. So 70% of the ACC staff are women. ACC pays 9% of KiwiSaver contribution. It is a very, people have been at ACC 20, 30 years. They get a plaque on the wall. I was the new girl. I was new even to my team. And the team of five I managed, they had a hundred years of experience at ACC between them. That is unheard of. One man, 43, someone else, 20, someone else, 17, someone else, 18. I'm the new girl saying, yo, this is what I've come here to do, <laughs> you know? Part of their response was, that's what we've always wanted to do too. And also immediate responses we got around the organisation to what we were going to do, and that is to put Mātauranga Māori at the heart of Māori and culture capability. It scared people. Others said, yeah, get, get real. You've got five people. Your budget's $300,000. We spend more than that in our team on sausage rolls a year. None of that's going to put us off. What we did was we said, we will start our cultural capability program at lunchtime, virtually using all of the technology of ACC to any branch who wants to dial in, just dial in. Every Tuesday at 12 o'clock, this is what we're going to be doing. At lunchtime, nobody can stop what you're doing at lunchtime. First principles, we need no one's permission. First principle, enact mana enhancing opportunities. So out we went, we rocked our program. The program were at any given point, on any given day, we had at least half the ACC branches dialed in from all over New Zealand. I had a team, I, I tell you what, the team of five we had, we could have been a little raw poet, Matatini, you know, if you want a team of tour, they were a team of tour. Two of them were actual Matatini performers. Absolutely stunning team. We just rolled our program out. We didn't ask for any money to do it. We didn't ask for anyone's permission. We did it. And the thing is, we loved it because honey sells. 
joy sells. If you're going to do something and you're on the screen to the whole of the ACC network and you're sitting there sulking, I'm sorry this is at lunchtime, you know, we couldn't even get a budget to roll the rocket first principles, share it from love, rocket. So we did it. And every now and then the leadership team would be dialed in from the boardroom. We never knew when. But you see, here's the thing. No matter, because our A game is always on. You don't represent Tipuna with a Z game. Hello? Our A game was always on. Now that program is run at one o'clock during work time, fully resourced, a budget like you wouldn't believe. First principles. Start with a vision, come from love and do it. Do what it takes to create the change. The getting rongoa accredited people, you wouldn't believe the no's that we got when we said, this is what we're going to do. We went out to four Māori events, Matatini, Iron Māori, Ratna twice, the 100-year celebration and the January birthday. Because if you want to work with our people, go to them. Don't expect them to come to you. We went out, we interviewed 850 Māori about rongoa. When we sat at the executive table about what it would take to create the change, we had the evidence. They said, what's the customer voice? We said, we've just been out and asked. So do your homework, do your vision work, start at first principles, come from joy and love, and most importantly, get on with it. We've had, you know, nearly 182 years to make a difference. Get on with it. It's awesome when it starts happening. Kia Hey, look, we've got some questions that are starting to come through. And also, I'd love you to uh, post some questions. As I said, we'll try our best to get through um, as much as we can. Um, but one of the questions, and I'll just leave it open to whomever wishes to answer. At what point do you put your own well-being first rather than continually trying to get your organisation to change its culture in a real substantive way rather than just playing lip service and let's just riff off you there Kathy I think because you've just been rocking and rolling in your organization how do you put self-care um, and also balance it out with trying to shift the culture of an organization to think differently Justice Joe Williams was just asked this at an IPANS conference um, last Tuesday and and part of his response was get therapy um, I, I can't afford to get therapy so you know, self-care is absolutely critical. And self-care for me starts in papa and vision. You know, my self-care is I know I've done my five-year personal strategic plan. I could run next door and get the chart and show you. I've got my own personal strategic plan. I know what I'm working towards. I know who I am. And the thing is, the self-care is actually every part of you so mm, got a little bit more to do in the pool because you know I will go intellectual clicking my fingers I will go spiritual clicking my fingers if I'm having a conversation with a manager in organization and if I actually reveal and I try not to that I'm praying for them they're in trouble because what that means is the briefing papers aren't working and you're not reading the research and I've actually handed you over to the Atua and you better watch out. So the self-care is physical, it's spiritual. It is also about the little things. Do you stock your own freezer with the food you love to eat and can eat quickly? So I now had a glut of kamokamo. I made a whole lot of sweet and sour kamokamo with a little bit of pork. Not a lot of pork, no fat. God damn it. And tucked it in the freezer in little pots for myself. So when I'm exhausted, 
my fast food is what I absolutely love. So you can't get away from self-care. If you think that you are holding the world on your shoulders, your knees and legs better be strong. So there is no way around self-care. I don't want to be the nanny who at three o'clock when Moko arrives has no energy left. And when he arrives and opens the door, I'm going, go jump on the couch. I'm tired. Stop being so noisy. I bought a black couch so he can spill anything he likes on it because it ain't going to show a mess. So the self-care is real. And, you know, I'm along, I'm along in the tooth in this game and having to need to be more careful about self-care. But you can't give anybody anything from your dodo if your own dodo is empty. So, you know, look after yourselves, whānau, in every respect. All right, we've got a question here from Irene Walker. She asks, how do we improve the Tiriti partnership with Crown agencies without separating the collective into individualization of growth and development in the rohe to meet their process? Mindful that iwi hapu are responding in this manner, quite contradictory to treaty to Tiriti partnership. Well, that's a very good question, Irene. Who wants to have a go at answering that one? <laughs> I'm happy to have a go. <laughs> so I think that um, you said a couple of words there, their process. Um, and, and, and for me, it's how do you make their process your process? So I'll give you an example. And, and we are contracted, we're at a contracted organisation by government agencies and all that. But the most fulfilling thing for me this year to do was to turn down a huge contract because of the kaupapa in the contract. So as a, a Rano order, as an organization that takes Rano order very seriously, it's our philosophical foundation. When I read the, the contract and it says, you can't do this, you have to do it like that, then it's like, well, then that's not Rano order. So our contract was specifically around the delivery of vaccinations well before they figured out that um, they hadn't done right by Māori. And we were prepared that it wasn't going to be right for Māori because that's, that's forward thinking because we already know. And, we, and many of us on here already know that. So what is it that you're going to do as an organisation to ensure that you don't fall into the system and respond their way and instead turn it around? So we um, had the first mobile service actually for vaccinations uh, in Aotearoa before they went public with it. So when we went forward for the contract, um, and, it, and as an organisation, we service home, homeless whānau and people in transitional housing, right up to Kapiti, right through Te Awakairangi and all of the Wellington region. And they told me that I couldn't go into Te Awakairangi, despite the fact that we had all of these houses there and, and we needed to get the vaccination service in there. So they said, no, you can't do it. And I says, well, no, actually, we are doing it. Well, no, you can't. Yes, no, we can. Easy, here's your contract. We don't want it because our job is to serve the people and you don't get to tell us where, we, where our people are going to need us. And then the conversation around, oh, we've got a Māori, we've got enough Māori capability. Well, never in my life have I ever heard that there's enough Māori capability in health. So 
the whole home, that cool how was, it's all right, we're going to do it anyway and we're going to help you to get to that 90%. So Kate Pai, you know what you can do with your money? Kapai, it's all right. Because you've got to find a way. Um, and, and, and if you don't find that way, then you're, the, the people that we work with are going to miss out again. You know, we're in the same situation right now with the, uh, the, mon the services around care in the community for the outbreak. We've been broken up so many times as a people that I think that when the system tells us to break ourselves up, you've got to put your foot in the ground. And you know what? And, and my, things come right because people come out of the woodwork when they see what your true stance is in terms of serving the people. Kilda. Kilda, Ali. Um, Ed Strafford has a question, and I might pose that to you, Chelsea, and perhaps if um, both you, Ali, and Kathy have some thoughts to add. Um, Ed asks, how do we, as non-Māori, not be extractive when we're trying to decolonise our practice? So this is where you might ask people to help support you, to keep you in check. Um, you know, when you're wanting to ask people questions, like how do I pronounce this correctly or who is the local people, but how do you do it where it's not creating a lot of emotional labour? I'm just totally adding this on the question there, Ed, sorry. But, you know, how do we try and make sure that it's not heavy labour for the people that we're asking to support us in our treaty and practice journey, Chelsea? Great question, Ed. Um, well, the, the work I do, some of my work, I have a, a Pākehā colleague and we work quite closely together and it's a constant dialogue between both of us, but it's built on trust and respect and aroha for each other. So I know when my mate's asking questions, it's from a place of aroha. So that's been built up um, as a as a result of our relationship, uh, a trusting relationship. So, so there's that aspect. Um, she's, she's honest in her intent. I know her. Um, she will, I, I think it just for me, it comes from, she comes from a place of respect and intent and honour. So, so that works really well for us. Um, there are moments when, you know, and, and I'm on a few boards where I, I am the lone Māori, so therefore you become by default the cultural capability person and answerer and holder of knowledge about everything Māori. Um, <laughs> and, and so that can get exhausting. So, so for me, it, it has been about actually me taking control of that situation and saying to my Pākehā colleagues, look, um, if you want to know more about this stuff here's some resources um, here are some people you might go to here's some cool books I've read um, and, and so and they've been really appreciative of that because I am mindful that there is an appetite for this and that that people want to know and there is a thirst um, and but often as Māori we find ourselves in spaces quite isolated and we can't be the font of all knowledge and helping build all of that so uh, again it's different contexts this different situations but I always think if you come from a place of um, aroha and, and integrity and respect, um, that goes a long way. Kathy, do you have any um, And yes, thanks for the question. I, I think I'd, I'd share a few things with you. Firstly, I would form a relationship because there's nothing worse than being out at a function and someone you're chatting to saying, you know, I've always wanted to ask a mighty person like you. And you think, random <laughs> is Māori development random so have a relationship with somebody 
that you know you're going to be able to have an ongoing conversation with. You know, this is a learning journey. This is not a random, you know, Whatarangi Winiata has millions of things that we should all be quoting. And one of them is, this is not a time for the gyro principle. Get it right by accident. Have a relationship with somebody. Build a relationship with somebody that you can have an ongoing conversation with, firstly. Secondly, have a plan. And, you know, that person, um, there's lots of cultural supervision practitioners out there, but have a plan. What is your vision? What is your goal? Why are you doing this? What's your why personally? What's your why professionally? Because I'm telling you, in the public sector work I've done in the last 30 years, I hear colleagues say, when one government comes in, we get CVA out. That's got all the Maori stuff in. When the other government comes in, we put that CV away, and then we've got a clean white one. There's no brown stuff anywhere on that CV, you know, and this is because people have had to respond to changing, fluctuating things around the treaty and Māori development context. Have your own plan. Aha kōte aha. No matter what the government is, if ACT ever became the government, you would still be standing strong in your treaty journey. You don't need anybody else's legitimation because you've worked it out for yourself. Have your own plan. And number three, do the mahi. Where in life does one get the gold medal without doing the mahi? So the woman that just got the first gold medal in the Winter Olympics for New Zealand, she just woke up a few weeks ago and said, you know what, Fano? I'm going to rock on over to China and get me some boogie and going down that hill. She's probably been skiing all her life. Malcolm Gladwell in the book, um, outliers, fabulous book on, on success and research around success, talks about the 80,000 hours that it takes to invest in becoming an expert. You know, our people talk about those who are taught real and tikanga on the marae at home, starting from being babies. That's when the clock of those 80,000 hours starts ticking. So have a plan do the work, you know, get your plan sorted out so that as you're doing the work, you are loving the work, you know. How many times do we enroll in something? Who's got a gym membership? They pay up and they don't go. So they have it in their wallet so it looks good when they go to get their coffee, but they don't use the membership. So this is a journey where you get your why aligned, you get your vision sorted, you do the work for the right reasons and it's the long game. And that's the plan, I think. That's the template. That means that people, no matter whether it's politically convenient or not, they're on the treaty journey because that's where Fano Hapunibi are. Kelda. Awesome, Fano. We've got one more question and then we're going to pass the Rako over to um, Gaudi to close us off for today because there's so much corded on. Everyone wants it to be a deeper wānanga. Um, so that would be wonderful, but we'll have to have a look and see what that could look like into the future. So I'm going to actually merge Katrina and Lauren's corded all together, um, which I think would be a really beautiful opportunity for the three of you to just give your insights, which is what do you want to see? What's the behaviour, the momo? Of, the, of your colleagues um, who want to be really amazing allies, friends, um, supporters of the kaupapa, what would you like to see in their behaviour? And then secondly, um, how can Tawiwi groups respectfully participate in this mahi and also ensure that what they're doing as allies is supportive 
to the greater cause of nation building and connection. So it's two questions merged into one. And I know that our time is ticking by, but perhaps I'll um, throw that to you, Ali. How can our tangata tiriti um, demonstrate the, the aroha for the kaupapa? So for me, I think the, the aroha can be expressed by allowing people like myself and my colleagues that have shared their journey today to be Māori. We don't need you to do it for us because we're actually good at it. And, and, and we need you to trust that we can be Māori for ourselves. Um, and I say that with respect because, you know, when I walk into a room and everybody looks and goes, are you going to say karakia? And I go, Carl, you know how to pray, don't you? Praying is not just for Māori. You know, there, there's certain things that we can both do, but allow us to do what, what Māori can do and we can do it for ourselves. But the other thing to remember is that when you go into a relationship, it has to be a relationship of value. There has to be um, some reciprocity in there that's got to be value for both. Because one of the things that I've learned really quickly is I, we do not have to have a relationship with everybody, but respect everybody, but look for the relationships that add value, that work within your vision, and that both mana is inspired between the two parties or however many parties, because if you're forced into it, it'll be like marrying someone you didn't even like. And then you've got to stay married to them for, for whatever reason, but it shouldn't be about the care of people. It should be adding value and, and um, let me be Māori when, when I'm in the room with you, whether it's a loud one or a quiet one, but I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> Kill it. It's Chelsea. Oh, kia ora. Yeah, much like Ali, I, I think um, coming from a place of aroha, of, of respect, of humility, um, there's so much uh, mana in uh, tangata tiriti, stepping back and being humble and letting Māori come to the fore, letting Māori have the voice um, in, in the governance spaces and evaluation spaces, having tangata tiriti ask themselves and the organisation the question, how are we sharing power? How are we genuinely sharing power? How are we creating space for Māori to take power? And then one step from that, how are we sharing resource with Māori? How are we sharing investment? How are we bringing Māori on board? So it's a journey and it's deeper than just the um, sheer power, but to what end? For access to resource, to access to, to investment. Um, so, so having tangata tiriti who can ask those critical questions of themselves and their organisation, I have found to be really powerful. So I'm not continuously waving our manamutuhake, our tinoranga tiratanga flag in evaluation and governance spaces. I have mates alongside me who are doing that too. Thank you, Chelsea. Kathy? The value for me is courage. When I worked as a direct report for Judge Andrew Beercroft when he was the Children's Commissioner, I know that some of his advice caused people to threaten him with legal action. Have courage, hold the ground and hold the space for the right reasons. And I think in terms of treaty partnerships and Tiriti-based organisations, create space for Māori genius. No culture has the mandate on genius. Create space for Māori genius, stand back and let 
Māori move into that space because too often people will create the space and they can't paint and they quickly fill it, you know, because we gave you the chance and well, we, maybe you weren't ready. Create the space and wait um, for Māori genius to come through. And as you are creating the space for others, do the work on yourself. Do the work on yourself. There is no place in our life where we gain excellence and effectiveness in a haphazard way. Not as a parent, not in the work that we do in our own financial capability and management. Do the work and set yourself the gold standard treaty partner as what you want your organisation to aspire to. Kia ora. Beautiful. Well, Norere Huama, um, I hope you've taken away from today. Um, but I think ultimately, I just really want to thank and honour each of you, uh, Chelsea, Kathy, Ali, for providing us with a beautiful multifaceted perspective of Tatiti in action um, from an evaluation perspective, from a inside government, outside government uh, research perspective, Kathy, um, with a very deep focus on relationship. And then yourself, Ali, where you're like, you know what, I'm going to advocate Hundi for our whānau. I'm going to ensure that they have access to everything that they need to maintain their mana. Um, but first and foremost, you always acknowledge and maintain their mana in your practice and you ensure that your team do that as well. So I'm hoping that uh, for those of you that came with some questions, I'm hoping that some of those questions were answered. I hope that um, you might look, if you haven't had the chance to listen to our podcast, find us on Facebook and also on our website, where there are a whole stack of very helpful, practical tools and resources that you can use to become that gold standard treaty partner. Um, amazing uh, practitioners and facilitators, Kathy being one, where you can invite her into your organization. She can help you develop these plans and ways to work more effectively to create the space for Māori genius to flourish. Um, but also you can lend a hand and support to organizations that LA leads, like Kahunga Nufano Services. You might be available to volunteer. You might have some spare cash that you want to koha over to her organization. Um, but even at a practical level, you might have some other tools and resources that may be helpful um, to support them to serve their whānau within the Wellington region. You're listening to Hekoreroa, a community research podcast.